Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. How to know which ideas to execute. So many entrepreneurs, uh, it's a gift in some way that we have many ideas. It's a curse in another way that we have too many ideas. Uh, You know, you've probably invested in yourself. You've seen a lot. You want to do a lot of income streams. You want to start a lot of things. Your mind is flowing. How do you know what to start, what to scale, what to drop, what to outsource? I've got 12 things I can cover on this Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and live video, which I think will really help you assimilate, filter and execute as many ideas as possible. Because the average millionaire has three income streams. That means many millionaires will have five or seven or nine. But we don't start them all at once. You know, we build them uh, layer upon layer, if you like. So um, also many entrepreneurs are great starters and terrible finishers. Uh, And so uh, some of these tips, I think, will really help you. So the first thing is, if you're going to execute an idea, will it become an asset? You know, if your idea is to sell your time as a consultant at £100 an hour, but it's something that you're good at, that's fine. But then you've got to keep selling your time at £100 an hour over and over and over and over and over and over again. Whereas if you haven't had an idea that could create a no money down property or a piece of an intellectual property that could last for decades, or you were to write Think and Grow Rich or The Alchemist, which have sold tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of copies in the last 50 years, well, then that's a good idea. So could your idea be an asset? Which leads me to point two is, could it have a very long shelf life? If your idea is going to last a week, a month or a year, then you know what, maybe it's not worth your time. But if it could last a decade or a millennium, or maybe that's a bit big, then of course it could be really good. Could it be evergreen, you know, never go out of date or fashion? Could it have a recurring benefit, you know, recurring income stream or, you know, some kind of residual benefit? Emma has just said on the live feed, boy, can you talk? Someone gave me the feedback in my last video that I'm frantic. And you're correct, I could do both of those and I'm not planning on changing too soon. The third thing is, could you love what you're doing for a very long time? I see a lot of people who fall in of love, out of love, in of love, out of love, in of love, out of love. And I'm not just talking in relationships. I'm talking about, you know, love business, hate business, good idea, hate the idea, good idea, hate the idea, start this, bored of it now. Uh, and, and that loop can become quite manic. Uh, you, you, can, you can just get more and more and more and more extreme where the highs are high and the lows are low, uh, which ultimately can lead to sort of, well, more lows than highs, really. So if you're going to execute an idea, is it something that you could love for the long term? You know, there's things, a general business, marketing, sales, brand, you know, doing my personal branding, writing, authoring, podcasting, cars, watches. Uh, did I say money? Um, these are things, all these things, property. I know I love those for the rest of my life. I just will. It's, I just know. Um, so if I go out of there, it's a risk. It's a risk that I could really get distracted going over here. 
um, but, but end up, um, you know, doing it for a year or two. Here's the thing, you know, when you plant new seed, you don't get the tree the next day. Uh, and so there's always that start-up phase. So, you know, you want to plant the tree, to grow the, sh the shoots, to have the deep roots, uh, and keep going until you get the tree, and then you get the fruits, and then you get the, new the, the forest. All right, four then. Um, if you're going to go into something that could be copied easily, disrupted easily by competition, regulation, the market forces, maybe it's not necessarily a great idea to do. Um, whereas if it's something that can't be copied easily, can't be disrupted easily, is counter-cyclical, so can survive recessions or even grow, thrives in a recession, you know, or is, 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 is sort of immune to, what is it, future-proof of any recession, then maybe it's an idea worth executing and the other ideas. Because ultimately, all the ideas you've got, if you can tick one, two, three, four that I've just said, then, you know, it's probably going to survive your stress test. And if not, it's either not going to happen or it's just less important. The fifth thing then, what's your state of mind when you have this idea? Now, I have got a bit more self-aware over time. I know where my energy highs and lows and ebbs and flows are. So when I've had my four-shot coffee, I've got a million ideas and they're all amazing and no one can tell me any different. Then when I'm having my carbon caffeine coma at three o'clock and people are pinning me to the wall, Rob, just make this decision. Rob, what's your idea for this? Rob, how do we solve this? And all I want to do is go, don't care, or just any chuck any idea out to get out of my face. Um, so I know that in those moments, I'm either too high or too low or too energized, too biased, um, you know, or just, you know, emotionally want people out of my face. Uh, and as such, neither are a good extreme environment to nurture an idea. So I have my Evernote test. My Evernote test is I have an Evernote folder and it's called Rob's Crazy Ideas. And every single idea I have in it, I chuck in it. And I call it my crazy ideas because I allow myself to have really nutty ideas because sometimes they're the best. And often they're terrible. Um, but I'm always in a state where I'm not balanced when I have the idea. Like I said, either, either pushed for the idea or on fire with ideas. And that's not balanced. Um, and, and so I chuck it in the Evernote folder and then I'll have a look in a week or a month. And if it still lasts a week or a month, it's probably a good idea. It's something I should execute if it keeps talking to me. Hey, you know, Rob, you know, this idea is still here. Um, whereas if I look back in a week, often I look back at some of my ideas and I'm like, that was the worst idea. And it'll go down to the bottom of the pile. But in two years, that could be a genius idea. Who knows? But at least it's in this folder. Um, and so all ideas are stored. Also, when your brain is overflowing with ideas, that's great, but it, but it can be really overwhelming to your mind. So just writing it down in a folder and parking it and having it there, knowing that you can come back to it, knowing that it might nurture or fertilize, um, is it nurture and fertilize? Um, that's a great thing to do. So make sure you have your own Evernote ideas folder. Okay, uh, the next thing you could do though with an idea is you could leverage it. You could outsource it. You could start the idea and then you could pass it to a partner, a manager, an outsourcer and have them execute. You know, you could have the idea for a book and um, then you could get someone to sit and interview you to get the book out of you. Then they uh, transcribe the interview. They go and do the research. You get the cover done on 99 Designs. You crowdsource the concept of the, the book the title and the subtitle on your social media communities. And really, you had the idea, you were involved at the start, and you um, outsourced the rest. So that's a, a way that you could leverage an idea. Um, you might love the idea, you may want to execute the idea, but you might not love the process of getting to the outcome. Uh, and that's quite common for entrepreneurs. We love the ideas, we love starting, we love telling everyone what to do. And then we wish it finishes and we don't like all of the, you know, the researching, the analyzing, the checking, the proofing, the testing. But of course, they're really important parts of taking an idea and creating a, a product out of it. Okay, the seventh thing about your idea is it could be a good idea, but it could be the wrong time. So I often like to say yes, 
but not now. Now, I used to either say yes or no, and it was often more yes than no. And then when I said no, I felt guilty or I felt like I shut a door. So if I can say to myself, as well as to others, yes, but come back in three to six months, either repitch me your idea or I put my idea in the Evernote folder. That's good because it parks the idea, but it doesn't kill the idea. So that part of my brain that hates killing ideas is still sort of fed, but I've part, you know, delayed the idea. So how about saying yes, but not now to yourself and others a bit more? Uh, and also, uh, you know, a better timing of that idea next, next month, next year, um, you know, could be that um, sometimes you can have a good idea, bad timing. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, why don't I move on to the next point instead of rambling somewhat. All right, so point eight then is, could you sell the idea? Now, I have a mentor uh, and he has a good friend who has made millions out of selling ideas. Some people just create patents and get income stream off the patents. Um, but you could have an idea, sell it to someone. Another idea, sell it to someone. Another idea, sell it to someone. I mean, many, many entrepreneurs, it would be perfect job for you, for me. I could sell a million ideas. It just so happens I'm really invested in the companies that I've got. But if, you know, if I had to have a new uh, vocation, it'd be selling ideas. I think it's a great uh, concept that uh, entrepreneurs could do more of. Who says you have to finish them? Why don't you just start them all? Okay, um, when you start as an entrepreneur, I think we're on 0.9 or 10, you probably do have to say yes a lot because you probably don't get that many opportunities. And when you do, you've got to grab it. But then when you're more successful uh, and you know, you're going into a more mature phase, you have to say no more because everyone wants you. And if you said yes to everything out of fear or guilt or fear of missing out, then you know, you'd be stretched too thin and you're, there, there would be some attrition in your life. So just understand what phase you're in. Are you in the yes, yes, yes phase or the no, no, no phase and try not to get those muddied or muddled? Okay, point 10 then is um, try and have some self-awareness of your capacities. So if you've got too much on, then you're maybe not quite self-aware as you could be about your capacity to take things on. I.e. you're always giving yourself one too many things to take on. And if I have a blind spot, it's for too many, not too little, because I hate being bored. And as soon as I'm bored, I've retired loads of times. I'm financially fine for retirement for the rest of my life and my kids' life. I've retired so many times, I can't even count. It's like my dad. He's, he's the best in the world at giving up smoking because he's given up so many times and started again so many times. Um, but, I, you know, like, I'm terrible bored. I have to be busy. So for me, I'd rather have one too many things than one not enough things. But then quite frequently, I'm like, overwhelmed. Why is the world one demanding my time? And then I have to look at them and go, Rob, because you asked it to, because that's the messages you put out there. So building your self-awareness about your capacity and, and trying to manage that fine line. Because the balance is, you know, if, if you give yourself and productive people just a bit too much to do, and you know, a challenging deadline, then yourself and ourselves as entrepreneurs will step up and we'll get more done and we'll inspire the people that work for us to get more done than they ever felt possible. You know, the Steve Jobs effect, where you know, he, he managed to get people to do the impossible. Um, they, they, they said that he had a reality distortion field, i.e. what he thought was possible, everyone else thought was impossible. So that is what you get when you push a little bit. But if you push a little bit too much, then you have this sort of meltdown. So pushing a little bit and being slightly overwhelmed, it stretches you and you grow and you're able to take more on and do more and have more income streams and juggle more people and um, managers and staff and ideas. So, you know, you don't want, there's a lot at the moment in the world about essentialism and minimalism and spiritualism and selling all your possessions and doing less and doing nothing. And like, I'm really not into that shit. It's like, you know, sometimes, yeah, you need to have a cleanse. And yeah, sometimes it's overwhelming if you've got too much to do. But a little bit too much to do means you do more than you would have done if you had not quite enough to do. 
All right, and then your, your, your capacities and your abilities expand in line with what you give yourself to do. You've just got to get self-aware of where that breaking point is. And that's why the um, My Crazy Ideas Evernote folder, I think, works really well, because you can just park them all and empty your brain, because sometimes it's that full scatter brain, um, you know, that, 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 that overwhelms you, that frustrates you. Okay, number 11, then, is you can ask experienced, respected people. So if you've got an idea and you're not sure, don't take it to the layman, because they'll all just say, no, it's a rubbish idea, or, or, or you'll just have the yes men who say yes, yes, yes to everything, depending on who you position yourself with. Take it to respected people who've got experience and stress test the idea on them. See what they say. Now, look, if you, if you know in your heart of heart what you've got to do is right for you and you know you've got to do it, well, you're not having the problem of understanding which ideas to execute. But if you know in your heart of hearts, then you don't really need anybody's advice. You should just go and do the thing if you know inside of you. A lot of people don't have that volition, though. The next thing is you can, and I think one point twelve or so here, is you can test low risk. So you can build a version one product and go and test it and sell a few. You can chuck some ideas out in social media groups and create polls um, and crowdsource various different ideas and iterations. You could launch that sort of imperfect product to a small market and get some real feedback from real people who are buying stuff. Now, by the way, when people, when people say, oh, yeah, I'd buy that, Rob, uh, stick a credit card in front of their face, a machine to take the money and then see what they say. So don't believe people when they say, oh, yeah, that's a great product. That's a great idea. I'd definitely do that. Believe them when they're pied with some money. And that's how you test. But you test in a small market first. Every time we launch new products and services and courses and books and podcasts and everything else, I'm always uh, going to, I always do small launches first to VIPs and then to maybe the disruptive entrepreneur community, then wider communities, then to our unlimited success database and then to our progressive property database. I never launch one thing to the whole lot straight away because it could, it could be a bad idea. It could break. And also, you've not necessarily got yourself good at executing that idea. You need a few practice runs, a few iterations. So this sort of progressive launching rather than trying to go to the whole of market immediately is a very powerful concept in testing your ideas in a real life environment. That's what Joe Ratner did. He's a good friend of mine. I'm writing a book with him called, it's either going to be called Reinventing Yourself or Reinventing You. They're the two working titles at the moment. Now, he found a gym in Henley in an industrial estate, but he didn't have any money. He went to the banks and they wouldn't lend him any money, even though he had a good site. So he took an ad in the Henley Times uh, and he sold membership for a gym that was going to be ready in three months. And uh, he got a, an artist to do an amazing, beautiful drawing of this gym, which didn't exist. And Gerald even said the, the gym never ended up looking like this drawing. So he was basically creating these things before he had them. He gave a money back guarantee on the gym membership, you know, in case there was something that went wrong. Then he went to the bank having 850 direct debits for gym members, even though he didn't have a gym, he only had a drawing that he'd put in an ad in a magazine. Um, 12 banks turned him down. The 13th bank gave him the money uh, and then he built the gym and then he had a gym for the members and then he, he built it to 2,700 members and then he sold it to four, for four million pounds. That is how to execute an idea. How to not execute an idea is to try and execute six ideas at once, or is to wait until you've found your why, or you've got perfect before you start, um, or to constantly analyze every idea all the time and do uh, days and years of um, research. Loads more stories from Gerald Ratner of um, you know, big companies like Tesco going to America. Uh, and you know, at, at Tesco used to go to America. They'd set up a shop in a different name, like a pseudo shop, and they'd do like spend millions of pounds on demographics and, you know, all of this market research. 
and still get it wrong because they're trying to take their model to the US. Gerald went over to the US, he went in the malls, he saw what worked, he booked a, a, a meeting with the CEO of the biggest um, mall, biggest shop in terms of turnover in the mall that same day because he asked the mall owner which shops generate the most revenue because the shops in America have to pay a percentage of their turnover to the mall owner and not just rent. So he was able to find out that way who were the um, biggest revenue generating shops, went booked a meeting with the CEO and bought the company for 125 million. And I think he got 125 stores for 125 million. That's a million a store. Um, he bought it that day. Uh, and that has gone from 125 stores to 2,500 stores in America called Sterling and changed, it's now called Signet, I believe. Um, so that is a much better way of executing ideas than spending millions of pounds and years on procrastination analysis, research and blah, blah, blah. All right, so let me summarize the 12 or 13 points really quick. I like to do that on the podcast because I know I talk fast. I think it's nice to have that summary. I'm trying not to repeat myself, although I know I sometimes do. All right, so um, will your idea be an asset? That's point one. If it will, and it has recurring residual benefit for a long time, maybe execute. If it not, maybe not. Will it last for a very long time? Will it be evergreen? You know, will it last through recessions? Will it last decades? If so, execute. If not, maybe not. Three, could you love it for a long time? If you could, execute. If not, maybe not. Number four, could it be disrupted easily by the market, by competition, by regulation? If it could, maybe don't execute. If it can't, you know, it's good. It's, it's got good IP, good intellectual property that can't be copied and, um, you know, it's quite original, um, then maybe you execute. Number five, what mood are you in when you have the idea? If you're overly high or overly low, get yourself balanced before you decide to execute. Number six, could you start it but then get someone else to execute it, leverage it out to a team member, a partner? Could you create a system or a process or, you know, automation around the idea? So you can just keep starting ideas and other people can finish them because most entrepreneurs are terrible finishers. Point seven, is it a good idea, but at the wrong time, too early or too late? So be hyper aware of the timing as well as the idea itself. Uh, number eight, could you sell the idea like one of my mentors, friends does, who's ma he makes millions of pounds just selling ideas to other people to execute. Number nine, are you in the early stage need to say yes, yes, yes? or in the later, more successful stage of need to say no, 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 and be aware what stage you're in when you're thinking about to execute ideas. Number 10, be self-aware of your capacity. What's your breaking point of too many ideas and overwhelm, but you're not enough ideas and boredom? Uh, and just stretch yourself so you've got a bit too much to do to so expand your capacity to take on more income streams and more ideas and leverage them and manage them and execute them. Step 11 is could you ask respected people, experienced people, mentors about your ideas and get their thoughts um, and, and get it stress test. And then point 12 is to test in a low risk environment, either do a pre-launch or go to, you create a quick down and dirty version one product, sell to a few customers, get their feedback before you execute at a wider scale with more risk and more overhead. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this live feed video and also Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast on how to know which ideas to execute. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.